Hi, I'm Jeffrey Jones with UNC Charlotte, and this is Charlotte Business Buzz. Connecting the Queen City's business community from the Belt College of Business at UNC Charlotte, this is Charlotte Business Buzz. Chances are the way you're running your business right now is a bit different. While change is a natural part of business evolution, the level of stress and anxiety that the COVID-19 epidemic has brought to the table is not. Today, we talked with Dr. Janaki Goody, Associate Professor in the Department of Management at Belt College of Business, and in Organizational Science, an interdisciplinary PhD program at UNC Charlotte. She has extensive research in how leaders and followers develop high-quality relationships, manage emotions in the workplace, and handle stress and well-being at work. Janaki, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here with you. You're currently studying leadership during the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you tell us more about this and what you hope to find? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing I want to talk about a little bit is leadership in general. And, um, you know, we all know that leadership is something that has been researched a whole lot. Um, The best example I can give of this is if you go open up LinkedIn right now, you'll find so many leadership uh, pieces of advice. And here's what you should do if you're a leader. And here are some things you should not do, right? Um, And something that's really important to remember here is that there is a lot that passes for leadership science, science being within quotes. And um, something to keep in mind is this team of researchers that we are all uh, part of here at the Bell College of Business in Charlotte, we are trying to do better science than what's come before in leadership. And that's not to say that everything that's been done in leadership is bad. But, you know, if this were a drug, it would not be passing clinical trials, about 98% of it. What does that mean? In terms of research methods, you know, we are trying to do better science than a lot of what has come before. And this is not just us. There are uh, little clusters of researchers all over the world who are engaged in this effort. So that's a little bit of background on the science of leadership, if you will. Now, let's talk about COVID-19 and what's new here. So... Having crises in business is not something that's new to us. For example, the Institute for Crisis Management noted in 2010 that there are almost 90,000 news accounts of business-related crises in the United States alone between 2000 and 2009, okay? So the fact that we have crises is not news to us. And leadership and the role of leadership in crises is not new to us either. We understand that leadership is important in the role of crises. But what is really going on here that's brand new to us and that is stumping a lot of business leaders as well as policymaking agencies, I think, is the fact that, you know, typically when we have crises, we face one or two threats, typically. For example, there might be a loss of life or there might be a threat to the environment, as in the case of the BP oil crisis. But here with COVID-19, what's happening is we have all of these threats all happening at the exact same time. And the strength of these threats are actually growing at an exponential rate. So, for example, we have threat to life, of course, right? We have threat to jobs, income. We have supply chain shortages. We have a healthcare system that's overloaded. And along with that, we have mental health challenges that are starting to crop up. So this is why we're all scrambling and saying, what is it that leaders should be attending to first? How do they decide which is a priority 
in order for them to remain relevant and also for their leadership to be effective. Should they be fearful? Should they communicate fear about this pandemic to followership, therefore encouraging followers to also take it seriously? Or should they remain optimistic about the future so that we don't have a global mental health crisis? These are the types of questions that we, our research team, is trying to answer. And part of this research team is Dr. Banks, Dr. Tony Dandel, and two extraordinary PhD students, Andrew and Liana. We've all had differing levels of stress and experienced a variety of emotions throughout the pandemic. Can your research offer us help to work with stress and emotions? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. And you know, what's uh, really fascinating about all of this is when I first started to research emotions in the workplace in 2007, the role of feelings or what people might be experiencing in the workplace in terms of emotion was considered really a fringe topic, you know, in management science. And uh, the prescription was that, listen, emotions are irrational. Please leave them at the door. And this is not something we want to scientifically study in business settings. Uh, let me just point out at the very beginning that we have come a very, very long way since then. And um, emotion management has just become mainstream in the current workforce. Now, with that said, I also think that just like leadership, when it comes to emotion management, there are a lot of theories and findings that are floating around there. And it's very important to clarify that with everything that I'm about to say here, there's a big caveat. And the caveat is the type of emotions and stress that I'm going to talk about here is simply the emotion that comes out of or the stress that comes out of the hustle and bustle of our work lives. And I'm not necessarily talking about anything that's mental illness related or that would require the attention of a healthcare professional. So it's very important to understand and rem remember that. Now, with that said, let's talk a little bit about what exactly are emotions, right? So if we're going to talk about stress and managing feelings, we need to understand what exactly is this thing. And what these things are really are emotions. When we walk around saying, look, I feel anxiety, I feel happy, I feel sad. These are really microcosmic expressions of how we as humans are responding to everything that's happening in our environment, okay? So for example, when things are going well, we feel what we call the positive affects, and that would be things such as happiness, joy, pride, um, and what have you, right? So when we perceive things that we think are threats in our environment, as is happening currently in the workforce, we feel a lot of negative emotions, such as anger, frustration, sadness, guilt, disappointment, and so on. Now, the key thing to remember here is none of us actually like feeling any of these negative affects, right? There's no one that says, oh, I love feeling sad all the time. You know, that's just, it doesn't happen. Because we are hardwired to chase after the feel good. You know, we all want to feel good. So the first lesson that emerges from the science, and this is based on the research I've been doing, but also about 100 years of research in psychology and management is this. You know that old Beatles song, Let It Be? They had it right, you know? So the mantra really is, you have to learn to let it be. You know, these negative emotions, such as sadness and anger and frustration and fear have actually evolved as our response to threats in the environment. They are tied to our survival, right? So we should not try to numb them 
But we should feel what we're feeling, all of these negative affects, and understand what information they're giving us, right? And once we do that and we're not trying to numb them, then the second part becomes, okay, now it's very, very important not to wallow in these negative affects for way too long, right? So what am I saying here? What I'm saying is it's important to acknowledge that we are feeling this set of things. And then it's important to understand what information is this set of feelings giving us. And typically what they're telling us is, hey, listen, not everything is okay with your world right now. So what are you going to do about it? So the simple prescription there is something we call active coping. So active coping is simply about um, creating all of these action steps and plans, knowing fully well that these plans and action steps might not work, they might fall apart. But having plans, you know, and your best case and your worst case scenarios should be addressed in those plans, give us back some of our sense of agency and control. So the reason we feel anxiety is because we feel like, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no sense of agency or control here. How do you deal with that anxiety? Acknowledge it. And then you start to plan. And that gives you back some sense of agency and control. And, you know, another tactic here is, can you think about the ways in which whatever it is that the event is that is causing this negative feelings, right? For example, right now, COVID-19 causing anxiety and um, fear and anger, perhaps. Is there anything about this event that is highlighting opportunities to us? For example, we are hearing a lot about how manufacturing in this country could be revived because of this crisis, because it's really highlighted an opportunity that we have not capitalized upon here in America, right? So that's an example of how we can reframe a crisis in a way that actually helps us and our adaptation and our survival. And the third thing is a technique that we hear about all the time all over, but this is actually something that's very, very important. And this is about engaging in anything that feeds your body as well as your mind. And here's something to remember is in some of my research, we have found that uh, mind-body techniques, you know, be it yoga or be it meditation or be it Tai Chi, but all of these techniques that focus on the breath along with movement, they promote higher levels of coping and lesser burnout amongst employees. To sum it all up, you know, feel what you're feeling, acknowledge it. Make plans, but stay flexible and uh, go out and move your body. That's the simple prescription. Janaki, I'm curious, how have you applied this to your own reaction to working remotely? Oh, that's a great question, Jeff. And, you know, I try to enact everything I learned through my research. And um, so if you think about this research that we have launched, Leadership During covid to me, I think in the early part of all of this, you know, my world was drastically changing. We went to teaching online almost overnight, and I was witnessing what was happening, not only with my immediate leadership, which would be the Bell College of Business's leadership, how they were adapting, how they were conducting these large-scale faculty meetings online, but the other side of it was I was looking at how my students were coping, and I started to notice, you know, it's very interesting that people are viewing this very differently. You know, yes, there's fear. Yes, there's anxiety. But there was also a sense of resilience about everyone pretty much in my orbit, in my work orbit. And that's what prompted this active coping strategy for me, right? So we launched the Leadership During COVID-19 project because this was something that my research team and I, we felt like this gives us a sense of purpose. This also is something that could you know, it stands to 
possibly contribute. And I use such qualifiers because I'm a very careful scientist, I would like to think, right? I don't want to simply blanket claim, yes, this is going to make a big contribution. But what I'm hoping for is that active coping that, you know, I've started to enact. And that's what I've tried to enact for our research team gives us all a sense of purpose and gives us all a sense of agency that we are doing something here to help our community, you know, so that's a great way. The other big thing is um, I've been a yoga practitioner for a while now. So, you know, I've been following some of these mind-body techniques that helps keep me sane through all of this. That does not at all mean, by the way, that I don't have anxiety and fear surrounding this. Listen, my family is thousands of miles away and it's, very anxiety provoking to think that I can't get on a plane and get there, but you can't stay in that space for too long. Thanks for that insight. We'll be back with Dr. Goody in just a moment on Charlotte Business Buzz. A top quality MBA is one of the best investments you can make in your career. The school you choose and the skills you gain can have a profound impact on your professional life. By selecting the Belt College of Business MBA at UNC Charlotte, you can structure your own curriculum and gain skills tailored to your career goals, resulting in enhanced earning potential. Whether you're just starting out in the business world or contemplating your next step in an established career, explore the Belt College MBA as a strategic tool for upward career mobility. Learn more at nba.uncc.edu. Knowing that we don't have all the answers for leaders during the COVID-19 pandemic, what are some practical tips from the science of leadership that you would share at this time? First thing I would say is the number one thing you have to do as a leader during this time is acknowledge and validate what your employees are thinking as well as feeling. Okay, so what does that mean? In practical terms, what does that look like? I'll give you an example. You could say something along the lines of this is an undesirable and challenging event for all of us as a community. And just in that language, I'll point out a little later how that language really matters. But that is the thinking part of what your employees are feeling, right? They know something is off and you're acknowledging that for them. And when we have that type of acknowledgement, we feel a sense of social support. It makes us feel better. And that is why leaders need to acknowledge what their followers are feeling or the workforce is feeling. Follow it up with a validation of what your workforce is feeling by indicating that you are in this with them, right? So you would say something along the lines of, I feel the exact same emotions that you're feeling. I feel anxious that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. I feel frustrated that I'm not able to get out and look at my employees face-to-face and talk about exciting projects. So by doing the second part, essentially what you've done is you've acknowledged and validated their feelings, you know. So take it together. Essentially, you've acknowledged and validated their thoughts as well as their feelings. Now, one thing I want to throw out there for our leaders especially is, you know, as we start to do this type of emotion management work, it's important to recognize that leaders are not only managing their own emotions, but they're also managing these emotions of other people, i.e. the workforce. So the key here is to acknowledge that, first of all, to ourselves, if you're in a leadership role, please acknowledge, take a moment to acknowledge that you're doing uh, what I call twice the emotion work, where you're not only doing it for yourself, but you have to now go ahead and do it for your workforce, right? And um, once this acknowledgement is done, 
much like what I was saying with emotions before, uh, you have to move beyond acknowledging and validating the present situation, right? So we cannot stay in that space of this is challenging and undesirable and we are feeling anxiety. We have to move past it and leaders are in a position to reframe the threat in a way that mobilizes us, right, for change and also letting us know that our leaders are in our corner. So when leaders do this type of work, we call it the scientific label for it, for it is called emotion regulation. And in much of the work I've done with my colleagues, we find that actively addressing what people are thinking and feeling and reframing events for them and um, encouraging them to make um, changes in response to the threat is what works best rather than, you know, a leader who says, well, I know you're feeling bad. Let's plan a virtual happy hour. You know, virtual happy hour is fine as long as you're actually addressing the cause of what's going on. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to raise the bar as the leader. It is the leader's responsibility. And please note that management is about simply maintaining the status quo and you're providing logistical support to your workforce. But as a leader, your role is actually to motivate and engage and inspire employees all the time. It does not say just when times are good, right? It's all the time. So from that standpoint, in this crisis, what can leaders do? You have to be the one who's raising the bar on resilience by articulating your vision for the future. What it really tells us is that we as humans are purpose-driven. And we are purpose-driven and resilient when we have something in front of us that we get excited about, okay? And scientifically, the story of human survival has always been about there has to be a leader of the pack that is forward-looking, is signaling optimism about the future, and rallies troops around a common purpose, okay? So how do you do that? For example, you can say, you know, this is really, really bad for us, not anything we've seen ever before at this point in time. But let's brainstorm on what has this opened up for us in terms of missed opportunities that could make our businesses better in the future. For example, is teleworking helping us stay more engaged? Or is it opening up new market areas? Or is it helping productivity? These are the kinds of places that leaders can go to and uh, they can tell a story around it, right? And we all love a good story where good triumphs over evil. And that is the power of good leadership. So very simply, I would ask leaders, what is the story that you're helping your workforce craft about COVID-19 right now? If you had 45 seconds to give a pep talk to leaders during this challenging time, what would it be? So the first one would be acknowledge and validate what your people are feeling and thinking. And the second thing is create a few vision of the future that helps people get excited, right? And let your people know that this is temporary. This is going to pass, right? The definition of temporary might be nine months, a year, a year and a half. We don't know. But all in all, if you look at our lifespans and our children's lifespans and our grandchildren's lifespans, this is a drop in the bucket. This will pass. For example, I have many leaders say, this is really, really hard, right? And hardship, by defining something as a hardship, instantaneously what you're doing is you're setting up a fight or flight response to a threat. When I tell you there's something that's hard out there, evolutionarily, you are hardwired to fight that threat that is hard, okay? So that sets into motion, negative emotions. Now people have to cope with that, all of that, right? Now, is it really hard or is it simply that 
this is a novel situation for the majority of us, right? Now, if you don't have access to food, if you don't have access to healthcare, if you are living in poverty or homeless, this is definitely hard. Hard is the right, right label, right? But I would encourage leaders to use language carefully because much of what we are facing, I think like many of us who are working from home, is homeschooling, no social interaction. Our movement is restricted. All of this is new to us. But fundamentally, it does not threaten our survival. So do we want to use language that promotes challenge appraisals where people say, oh, this is just new, but I can mobilize resources to cope? Or do we want to set this up as something that causes more negative emotions? That is really up to the leader, the type of language that we use to help provide the motivation so people can rise above the challenge of what's happening right now. Thanks again for your time today, Janaki. You're welcome, Jeff. Really fun talking about all of this stuff. Thank you. Dr. Goody is an associate professor in the Department of Management at Belk College of Business and in organizational science and interdisciplinary PhD program at UNC Charlotte. As we mentioned, she is currently surveying leadership amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and hopes to discover how leadership is evolving. To learn more about her current and past work, visit beltcollege.uncc.edu slash buzz, B-U-Z-Z. Next time, we talk with Dr. Patrick Madsen, director of the UNC Charlotte Career Center about the future of careers, job interviews in the artificial intelligence age, and how the university bridges classes to careers. Until next time, this is Charlotte Business Buzz, connecting Charlotte business through one-on-one interviews with UNC Charlotte faculty, staff, alumni, and industry partners, and is presented by the Belt College of Business, the Office of Industry and Government Partnerships, and produced in association with University Communications.